Oh, hey, Twitter. It's Monday, and it's the first day after a long holiday weekend. Yeah, and we are celebrating the U.S. Women's World Cup victory, and then I'm interviewing Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things, which I stayed up way too late watching last night. I can't night. believe you binged <laughs> it back quick. I did. I really did. Oh, my God. You deserve a trophy. Well, Twitter, you stay right there, and we will see you on the timeline. Twitter. I'm Zach Stafford, she's Alex Berg, and you are watching AM to DM. And we are back from vacation. I have missed saying that line, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have missed all of you, but I do I do miss where I was yesterday uh, in the yes. sun. sun. So how was your vacation? It was great. I was on a warm beach having mm. lots of drinks, and then I got back last night. I was I was well rested. Stayed up way too late, as I said, watching <laughs> Stranger Things. It. You ruined I it. I did. I ruined it. I ruined my own well-rested situation. Oh, my God. Well, you are about to be the expert for your interview. I think I you're going to know more than Natalia Dyer. I might. And the, here's what I didn't know, is that the final episode is like an hour and 17 minutes long. So it was like I sat down to watch the final one and a half episodes, which ended up being like a whole two-hour Thing. Wow. A whole two hour to do of watching. Oh so, my God. Yes. I was, you know what I was doing? Sleeping more. Sleeping. Doing Sleeping. That. But how was your trip? Oh, it, it was incredible. Great. It was great. I took a, a mud bath in a volcano. I'm not kidding. There oh, was no. a volcanic, like water that came down, and you put on mud, and you just took a little bath, and you woke up renewed. So you girls better watch out. I'm fully restored. I'm fully alive, and I'm coming for you. Okay. With my Phoenix powers. Well, <laughs> there it is. I mean, I think that's the perfect note to yes. get into the news today. Let's do Should it. We do it? Let's okay. jump right in. All right, well, here's a tweet from Black Lady Sketch Show. Y'all ain't ready. Ooh. A Black Lady Sketch Show premieres August 2nd on HBO. Uh, I'm so excited for this. You know, I got off the plane, and this was one of the first things I saw on Twitter, and I was screaming because it looks incredible. Like, these people are insane that are involved in this. Yeah, well, I was excited to see that Robin Thede is behind this show. She, of course, was uh, one of the writers mm -hmm. at The Nightly Show. She had her own late-night show. Everything that she seems to have her hands mm -hmm. on ends up being hilarious. Yes. So I'm excited to see this. And there's so many other people. Like, Lena Waithe is in this. Uh, Issa Rae is in this. Laverne Cox is, is in this. You know, and even Angela Bassett makes a cameo. It's really like this all-star lineup of who's who of Black Hollywood. And they deserve this moment more than oh, ever. Yeah. And this Absolutely. is the first time we've had a show like this, correct? Like, there's never been a Black-led sketch comedy? Uh, not that I would recall, but, you know, very excited. And you said you were especially excited for this just because Insecure hasn't been on in a while, mm -hmm. and this is, like, filling that void for you. <sighs> Thank you for reminding me of that. You know, I was really <laughs> upset that Insecure wasn't coming back. You know, I just moved from Los Angeles. I'm a black person. I did not know if you know that. And Insecure is our Bible back in L.A., and when they announced it's not coming back this summer, we were all really sad. But to know that Issa was actually busy and not just ignoring us, and she was creating this magic— Girl, you're, thank you. Thank you. This, but this also, fulfilled that for you. But yeah. also, we need Insecure. Please come back. Also that. 2020, that. sure. Maybe I need it before the next election, oh. but I'd like it sooner than later. It does feel very, very far oh. away. Well, listen, let's take it to the timeline. Who are you most excited to see glow on this incredible show? Tweet us using the hashtag am to dm Oh, Issa Rae. And, every, and, and, <laughs> and everybody. This is everybody else. Everyone else. Oh, God. So, Regan uh, Gomez, you tweeted, USA women's team wins the World Cup back-to-back -back championships. Pay them. And Alicia Rose Delgado tweeted, the U.S. women's national team is at the forefront of what could be a revolutionary moment for the sport globally, but a lot of work will need to be done to capitalize on the FIFA women's World Cup momentum beyond today's title match. 
How amazing was it's this so game incredible. yesterday? And it's yeah. been called this revolutionary moment. Yeah. And like beyond it just being like women winning, like what, because you've been following this. I have like what made this so incredible for everyone? So it was really incredible because of course, not only has this team shown just how excellent they are, they just keep on winning these World Cup mm-hmm. victories, but also like the ratings were really good. Mm-hmm. The attendance was really good. People were extremely excited about it. Um, you know, people are talking about how they've like pushed soccer to the next level, mm-hmm. how they've created all this momentum for like other young women who want to play. And all of this, of course, has happened against the backdrop of them fighting for equal pay from this ongoing lawsuit about gender discrimination that's happening. And just the excellence on the field has underscored just how deserving they are of getting paid and, and how it's, yeah. It's just like an ongoing excellence. This is what, ongoing. their fourth win? Yeah, Fourth yeah. straight win? Yeah. Like, how are you not paying these people? You know what we should we should be doing? Not paying them equally, but paying them more. They deserve all the coins. They can have my paycheck. Not really. But you can have a <laughs> paycheck from some of us because you are incredible. Yeah. And I just really, you know, Megan uh, Rapino. Mm-hmm. I always say her last name wrong. She has really changed or questioned the sexuality of many of us. You know, me as a gay, I, do, <laughs> man, I have been really feeling her you know, her very handsome looks. She, I mean, tell me about it. I like scan <laughs> this team so much, but this is this is actually, you know, one of those things that is even more important for visibility because mm-hmm. there are a lot of queer women on yes. this team. And uh, not only are they like visibly queer and proud, but you know, they've also been really politically outspoken. We know, of course, mm-hmm. there's a history of, of American athletes, um, you know, using their visibility to be political. And like, they have also just yeah. leveled up with this. So and, it's very exciting. And what I noticed this morning, or I, I read this morning is that both teams had the most openly gay uh, characters gone. This is how gay <laughs> like I am. Like in the cast of the, the World cast, Cup team. The cast of the World Cup team, they had the most openly gay characters. So athletes, they had openly queer athletes who were not only, you know, open in the interviews, but Megan, uh, Megan posted on Instagram yeah. today, gays rule after no, winning. they're like so fearless about this. And, um, you know, one of the, some of the commentary that I've been seeing about this has been about Title IX and mm. how that uh, helped more women access sport and it leveled the playing field, you know, mm-hmm. like literally and figuratively speaking. And, uh, you know, just one of the things I hope is that like so many different kinds of young women will see themselves in this team and know that they can do this. And, uh, you know, the next thing is just like get these women compensated. Um, I will say before we move along, did you see any of the videos of them celebrating in the locker room? On Instagram? Yeah. Oh, sure did. They were drinking all the champagne. (laughs) They were out there living. Yeah. What was your favorite one that you saw? I saw one of them like uh, with ski goggles on, um, like (laughs) pouring beer on her face. And I was like, like, however you want to celebrate, yeah. like, you do that. Yeah. You do that, you I always know? wonder in those moments, like, how, what that must feel like. It has to feel surreal, but also you have people there and you're just, like, holding each other down. And what I noticed is that locker room was just them and, like, a few cameras, but it was, like, a space for them to celebrate while the world was also celebrating. Yeah. So it must feel weird to think that, like, we're in this room together saying, go, girl, but literally bars around the world oh, are yeah. also drinking to you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the celebration will continue. This Wednesday, there will be a ticker tape parade for them in New York City. And we will be here with you, maybe going live. We'll see. Oh, I don't know. Let us know. Would you like us to go live? Listen. <laughs> parade? We're just trying to get an excuse to leave work. <laughs> we are. Or like, hey, Megan, come on this show Ooh, anytime, please. Please, please. We are begging you. We would love to talk to you. I would pass out. Yeah, I would pass out, but I would keep it together. Yes. But then I would pass out. All right, well, let's take it to the timeline. How would you like to see the U.S. women's national team honored for their win? Tweet us using the hashtag AM to pay them all the money. Pay them. That would be a nice place all to start, huh? Sure, That's wouldn't a good it? Place. <laughs> well, switching gears this morning from not paying people. Uh, here's a tweet from Kyle Griffin. Jeffrey Epstein was arrested for allegedly sex trafficking dozens of minors in New York and Florida between 2002 and 2005 and will appear in court in New York on Monday. Three law enforcement sources tell The Daily Beast. And here's a tweet from MSNBC host Chris Hayes. 
Finally, we found the two things that unite us all, the United States women's national soccer team and indicting Jeffrey Epstein. Joining us today is Daily Beast senior editor, Harry Siegel, who helped break the story on Friday. Good morning, Harry. Good morning. So who is Jeffrey Epstein and why is he just now facing charges? Well, Jeffrey Epstein is a billionaire financier who has faced charges before, actually, in Florida, uh, where he got the mother of all incredible deals for what the U.S. attorney in New York is now calling essentially a sex trafficking pyramid scheme, where he uh, had days in jail where he had 12 hours out every day. His victims weren't informed about the deal. And this deal, as it happens, was cut by the uh, by the guy who's now the labor secretary for President Trump, Alexander Acosta. It was a real outrage. He's managed to sort of cut his victims off there, and then in civil court by by reaching deals before their their stories could get out. And now the uh, the Southern District in New York, sometimes called the uh, Sovereign District, has finally stepped in and seriously charged this guy for for the activities he was also committing here, where he was recruiting very young women, um, you know, for, for, for sexual services and then using those women to find other women to bring in and, uh, and, and having them come to his houses in Florida and New York. And, and by some accounts, you know, it's a guy with his own plane who's flying a lot of famous and powerful people around, including President Trump mm -hmm. and President Clinton and Prince William, um, all of whom denied knowing anything about anything. And in some ways, as, as the Me Too movement has, has, has come up, he's been the, this incredible uh, target who's just gotten away and away and away, including the Manhattan DA, Cy Vance, by the way, um, who let off Harvey Weinstein for a long time, um, uh, Strauss Kahn, um, letting him register as the lowest level of sex offender after he, was, uh, he, he cut that incredible sweetheart deal in Miami. Uh, excuse me, in Florida, um, where the U.S. attorney basically met privately with his lawyer in a room and then uh, and then let him get almost all the way off mm. without even telling the victims. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, there is a, a whole lot to unpack there, and we definitely want to get to uh, some of the names that you mentioned. But according to sources at The Daily Beast, um, his indictment is going to be unsealed today. Uh, what can we expect to learn when that happens? It, it's just been unsealed, actually. So I'm following my colleague, Kate Bricolet, on, on Twitter, um, we just posted a story uh, going through some of this. I'm reading here, so so sorry, I'm leaning in. Uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, the defendant, knew the New York victims were underage. They told them his age. Um, he personally was having them book massages in his Upper East Side mansion that is one of the largest private properties in all of New York City. Um, so, so these details are, are again emerging. Some of this came out in, in Florida where he faced almost no consequences. Um, but, but this really was, in most senses, a, a, a sex trafficking operation. He was recruiting very young girls, pressuring them for massages and then sex and more, and then pressuring them to find other young girls to, uh, to, to bring in. And there have been all sorts of, of, of allegations about him then offering these women to, to friends and having other older women who, who were part of his uh, recruitment scheme, uh, as it were. Mm. And Harry, now that we know that he's being indicted on federal charges, what does jail time look like for him now? And will President Trump intervene since this is his good friend? Well, 
President Trump now is, you know, is who said very kind things about him in the past and how, he, you know, he's a good guy and he likes, you know, young girls, um, says he barely knows the guy. Mm. So, so, so Trump being Trump, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll know when we find out he's facing decades behind, uh, uh, decades in prison. And I would be surprised, but what do I know? Um, if, if he were to uh, intervene here, if, if he was it, to do so, I'd have to assume that, that, that he is very personally implicated in this. Um, notably, the, the Manhattan prosecutors, right? This was the public corruption division. that They work with the sex trafficking division, but it was public corruption running this. So how where this goes in Trump world, if this implicates the president directly and, and, and his uh, his sex life, if this is just about Acosta and the uh, sweetheart deal, the incredible sweetheart deal he cut with this pedophile, uh, we don't know yet. Mm. Mm. Um, now, we read that tweet from uh, Chris Hayes earlier about how uh, a lot of people can get on board with both uh, Epstein uh, and the World Cup victory. But um, in all seriousness, what has been the general response to this arrest in this case? Finally, finally, um, to have somebody who's behaved so abominably face no consequences for so long past his public reputation and, and you know, essentially visits to, uh, to, to, to prison for six months for, for 12 hours at a stretch and then, then just going home. Um, this could not be, uh, this could not be more overdue. Mm. And now that he's being indicted, can we expect other folks who help with these crimes to also be indicted in the next few days? That there's going to be a press conference at 11, and we may learn more about whether or not some of that's already happened, whether or not some of the people who might have been facing criminal charges are now cooperating with prosecutors. Um, um, so so I, I think that's information that's going to unfold over the uh, the course of, of today and the coming days. Gotcha. The, the impunity is really striking here, and just all of the other powerful people who are connected is really Yeah, something. and it yeah. really feels like finally, in a way, really yeah. finally it's coming. Well, Harry, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us breaking news. Great job with that one. Thank you for having me. Of course. Later on in the show, Alex will be sitting down with actor Natalia Dyer from Netflix's Stranger Things. But up next, we have your fire treats. Stay tuned. Stay the Welcome back. I want to kick things off with this tweet from Christian who said, sat around for the last four days waiting for AM to DM to come back. I sat around waiting for you to come back. Yes. <laughs> Boom. We missed, you. we missed you when we go away. It is weird. So something you all don't know is that we get Slack notifications all day about different parts of the show. And I was on a boat and it kept pinging. And I was like, oh God, we have to do this thing. I was like, oh wait, I'm here on a boat. Even at sea, <laughs> Slack finds you. Yes, Twitter will always find Twitter you. Twitter will always find and you. And we hope you always find us and vice versa. Yeah, there indeed, indeed. All right, well, let's, let's read these tweets, let's okay? Hannah, you tweeted, my boyfriend loves to watch a string of movie trailers instead of an actual movie. He calls it film tapas. <laughs> film tapas. Oh you know, my goodness. What I think is so accurate about that is that there are days where I do go through trailers and watch them and think, oh, it's over. That was a full meal. That was a full <laughs> bacon wrap date. And I am very nourished. So thank you, you know, whatever Netflix. I have so many questions for you about being nourished by a bacon wrap date. But I will say sometimes I, I like, I enjoy a little film time you know, myself when I spend 45 minutes perusing Netflix yes. and not choosing anything and literally just trying to decide what it is. You know, skinny so, legends. What I'm going to watch. Tapas. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah. Shree, you treat it. <laughs> My lip gloss exploded in my bag, and my manager is going to say, 
I guess your lip gloss is popping. <laughs> I guess what's the rest of that lyric? Little Mama has blessed us with a lyric that yeah. will out, outlast Forever. even cockroaches. And seriously, my sympathies for having an exploding lip gloss in your bag because that, I mean, we've all been there. I or personally, some of have, us have been there. I personally have not been there, but I did learn yesterday getting off the airplane that I do like to travel with beef jerky, and it always explodes in my bag. So my my bag smells like a sweet teriyaki. Um. I don't understand how beef jerky explodes in a bag, but... Girl, travel with me. You just, You're fine. <laughs> just live your life. Thank you. All right. Dana Donnelly, you tweeted, convinced my 44-year-old therapist to confront her husband about not liking her Instagram posts and left the session feeling so empowered by the realization that while she can't make me better, I can make us both worse. <laughs> I relate to that content so You do. Because I, you know, what I need out of my therapist who I've had for many years, who I don't think watches the show, thank you, God, is that I need to know that you two are flawed, that you two are petty, that you two would do something so low and make yourself feel so good afterwards. I um, love that. You know, I want my therapist to be, like, above me and, like, so much better at everything. <laughs> Why? Because Why? I'm like, you're my therapist. It's your job to, you, like, show me the way. I live by know? this idea that those who can't teach in with therapy, those who can't live a healthy life, will be a therapist and then teach me how to live a healthier one. So I Next tweet. Go, go to more therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Swear, you tweet it. <laughs> July 4th is the Met Gala for Old Navy Families. You know... <laughs> yeah, this, this resonates with you? Hi, Mom. I know you're laughing right now. Um, yes, it very much so. Every year, my mother would buy the Old Navy t-shirts, and I just was so joyful about them. And you would try to collect every year. And wear, them, and you would wear them at different times because they became vintage. Have you, have, have you saved these over the years? I have not, Alex. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. All right, Tweet of the Day comes from Adam Beam. Ready? Oh, yes, we're doing Please this together. Please join me. It's still vacation. Come on. All right, let's do this again. Ready? Okay, we're doing One, it. two, three. There we go. See, it doesn't work unless two people do it. Look. <laughs> My four-year-old son, do boys play soccer? Ooh, not anymore. <laughs> not as well as women do. They don't anymore. No. Don't even try. Pay them. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is going to be screaming pay them. For I am. I am. They're going to get I, I, Practicing so much self-restraint right now, <laughs> you gonna, don't even know. They're going to get more money. That's going to be like, pay them more. This is like it's your true. new rally It's drive. true. Mm, Megan appreciates that. Pay them. All pay right. While she them. chants, I'm going pay to take us out of this. Coming up, <laughs> you get to see my chat with five-time Emmy-nominated host of So You Think You Can Dance, Kat Dealey. But up next, we're, we're talking about some of the new Disney films coming out. We are. Mm. We will be. Very exciting. Pay them. weekend, we got details about not just one, but two Disney live action films. Here's a tweet from Halle Bailey, dream come true. Mm. And a tweet from BuzzFeed News' Brandon Wall about the racist reaction to her casting on Twitter. This viral tweet complaining about the Little Mermaid casting being racist has a profile pic stolen from an Instagram model. The quote, half black best friend pic is taken from God knows where, but shows up in a bunch of Pinterest BFF roundups. Ooh, Ooh. my goodness. But Disney also released the trailer for the live action Mulan movie. Sydney Chu tweeted it and said, Mulan's story dates to as early as 386 AD from a folk song and later a transcription in the sixth century. Disney's live action film is attempting to honor the OG version of for Western and Eastern China audiences. There's no Mushu or Ling Shang in the original, so please shut up. And then here's a tweet from Elle. Me being angry that Mushu, the songs, and Li Shang won't be in Mulan, but also remembering that this version isn't a remake and is more true to the actual legend. Huh. Oh my goodness. So I have to say, I landed last night right when this trailer dropped, or at least I saw mm -hmm. that it dropped, 
And people were freaking out. They were freaking out. Actually, no, I saw it before this. We were still talking about it last night. I'm getting still my face about, confused. Still talking about it. So tell me what this backlash is, because I think why I thought it was last night is I saw it, and I went right into vacation. People and said, have been you talking girls about aren't rooting anything for me. And then yeah. I came back, and the girls were angry. Yeah, so let's talk about the Little Mermaid casting first. Um, when I saw Hallie was cast in this, I was so thrilled. She is so talented, and uh, she's actually been here mm-hmm. on the show. Um, you also know her from her musical duo with her sister. They are Grammy-nominated. She's in Grownish, Legends. Doing all sorts of big things. But uh, predictably, the trolls came out on Twitter and uh, were pretty racist and basically saying that uh, there could not be a black girl cast as Ariel. Which is insane. So my best friend texted me this link and he was standing, freaking out. And I responded, girl, just wait for a few minutes and we'll see the tweet that says, well, a black girl can't be Ariel because she can't swim. Sure enough, they arrived. There, and and those tweets arrived. And it's so insane to me because like, it's a cartoon. Right, it's a cartoon. Um, A lot of what the trolls were saying was that like, well, Disney isn't staying true to the cartoon um, if they're doing an adaptation of this, to which let me remind you that um, (laughs) this cartoon is about singing fish, okay? And an octopus villain. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hello, like, you can be open-minded enough to accept that as a live-action movie, (laughs) but you can't deal with the casting of this? Like, cut me a break. I'm just laughing, because we were both at a beach this week, and I was, like, actually looking for, like, Ursula. I was like, where is that octopus singing? I want to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah, and I have to say, like, I saw so much excitement about this casting Mm -hmm. as well. Just because Disney uh, princesses and protagonists have been so, so, so uh, whitewashed over the oh, years. Oh, yeah? they no idea. Uh, yeah, no clue. No yeah, idea. yeah, that in terms of the representation, mm-hmm. like, it's really important for young women of color to be able to see this character. Exactly. And I think when we see backlash like this towards, you know, recasting or reimagining of famous works, it's just showing us that some parts of America cannot imagine black bodies or brown bodies as anything more than what they've already been fed. And that the only people that are allowed to, you know, change your imagination or change your fantasy are white people, which is just not true. Just not true. For especially us that look like this. Like yeah. we want to see folks like this in those roles because they are inspiring and they should inspire us too. Also, it's a half person, half fish. Come on, girls, get Come over on. it. Move Come on. on. Um, well, I have to say that Freeform really uh, had such a great response to this. Um, they said, if you still cannot get past the idea that choosing the incredible, sensational, highly talented, gorgeous Halle Bailey is anything other than inspired casting, then it is because she doesn't look like the cartoon one. Oh boy, do I have some news for you about you. Ooh. Sure does say everything about you that you can't get with us. And not about her. You feel that, America? That's that's your conscious needing to weigh in. Well, what I find really interesting right now is that Mulan is the other side of the coin. You know, Mulan is now facing backlash because it's trying to better represent the actual story of Mulan, which doesn't have these other characters that probably are problematic because they play onto stereotypes about China. So it's like, you girls won't even let them do it right. And when they do, you're still mad. So you know what? You're angry, get over it, or go watch. (laughs) I don't know what you can watch. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, the response to this, there were a lot of different takes that were about, like, who are we making these movies for? Like, is Disney making the live-action Mulan for, uh, you know, a Western gaze? Mm -hmm. Some people were disappointed that the music won't be in it. Some people were disappointed about these problematic, beloved characters won't be there. Mm -hmm. And I just always appreciate the opportunity for us to have more nuanced and thoughtful conversations about, like, how troubled a lot of the stuff in the 90s was. Yes. You know? These films were so, problematic. I mean, yeah. look at Sleeping Beauty. Like, just think about that. Yeah. Or others, too. But I think, like, what we're seeing undone here, and I think this is a great exercise for all of us, is that when we move, as you call the gaze, from, you know, white 
able-bodied, cis, straight people, um, then we get to see like where we always are expecting these stories to be told and that we see the attempts to change that direction and we all get to reveal who we want them to be for. So white supremacists are like, keep it white! Where black folks are like, yes, the gaze is changing. It's about me. Yeah. I feel good. I feel great. And white people are mad. So, you know, if you believe in equity, this is equity. It doesn't mean that you're being talked about all the time. It means other people get the spotlight. Yeah. Even under the sea. I feel like, even under the sea. Yeah, I feel like uh, if you're getting these kinds of trolls mad, on the internet, you're doing something right. Yeah, you're challenging you're them. Right. Yeah. You know, as my therapist says, <laughs> anger is a secondary emotion. It's always overlaying on something that is actually happening. So un- do some excavation there, Twitter. Why yeah. are you angry? Is it because you're sad, fearful? Call 1 800. This is turning into something else. Well, I will say this got us talking this morning about uh, other Disney yes. movies that we would like to see rebooted or made into these live action versions. So let's take it to the timeline. What movie should be Disney's next live-action remake? Tweet us using the hashtag AM2DM. I'm going to throw one out there. I'm going to shock you. If you follow me on Twitter, you already saw it. Bambi. Boom. Uh, no. I think Bambi not. could challenge a lot of us in thinking about the hunting and gathering I'm go- industry. Like- <laughs> you know, what motherhood Hell means. no. I do yeah. not want to see these poor deer. No, yes, absolutely I'm not. Saying. But you know what I would say? What? The Aristocats. You know? <laughs> Oh, a queer woman wants a movie about cats. Shocking. Crazy. Shocking. Shocking. Couldn't we just, I think we have a photo. Can we? You know what? There we go. That is my cat. Let me remake the Aristocats. It will just be me chilling in my living room. Look at how cute this cat is. Do you not want to see her in a little movie musical? Of course you do. In Disney, I know I'm not on retainer. You're not paying for this. (laughs) But, you know, you already have a reality version of the Aristocats. Just get you a little camera crew and go to Brooklyn. Alex. I'm I'm open to it. And the Aristocats live action should have lesbians or queer women. It's only fair. Facts of America. As Megan Rapinoe says earlier, gays rule. And gays should rule your Disney Channel, too. And I have no other comments on this matter. <laughs> We're done with that one. Okay, <laughs> I'm talking to, to So You Can Think You Can Dance host, Kat Dealey, who is not a cat, but a person. A, a really lovely person. <laughs> <laughs> So we are laughing here on set. Here are a few quick facts for you guys. She's 5'9", she's British, she's gorgeous, and she's the five-time Emmy-nominated host of So You Think You Can Dance. It's Kat Dealey. How are you? I'm great. Uh, you know what? I'm really happy to be in New York City. So let's let's take a look at what you do best on your show. You want to see a clip? Yeah, do let's, it. Let's do, do it. it. Let's do, do it. Do you always get on? We're best friends, honestly. However, our family screams just talking to each other. Well, you have to to get a word in edgeways. Exactly. <laughs> Of course. Are you going to be able to shut up, though, for the one minute, 37 seconds during your audition? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> 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 they were so cute. Is... They were just completely infectious. And How so did the leg go like this? I have no idea. But some of the things these kids can do absolutely amazes me. I mean, to the point that they're so talented and so amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's one of the reasons I enjoy so much what I do because it's about celebrating Mm -hmm. people's talent. Mm -hmm. So you've been doing this for 16 years now. Yeah, 16 seasons we've done on the show. No, 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 no. And and, and I didn't do the first one. So, so... And some years we've doubled up because we kind of launched Glee mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 16 seasons. But it, but it, to me, it still feels fresh every time mm-hmm. because, because, of course, the dancers are always different every mm. time. And they've always got different stories and, and different senses of humour and backstories. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's always interesting getting to know mm-hmm. 
you know, the individuals. And you do, you get to know them, you know, week after week on yeah. the show. And what's your favorite thing each season? <gasps> My favorite thing is always seeing how people grow and mm. seeing how um, they react. Because what we do is, we're unashamedly a reality show, mm-hmm. but, we, but we're never mean. It's never mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. It's always, the, the criticism is, is always constructive. Um, but it's like you put these kids in this hot house environment and mm-hmm. it's really tough. Like yeah. every week they have to learn new routines and they only have a few hours to do it. And then we put them live on our stage in Hollywood. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a lot for, you know, somebody yeah. who doesn't do this for a living to, to yeah. kind of cope with. And it's amazing those people that just flourish and grow and bloom and then use the show as a springboard to go on to even mm. bigger and better things. Mm, bigger and better things. I want to take us back to 2005. Yeah, when you on. first started. Yeah. So that was a very male-dominated space of mostly men running reality shows, and yeah. you were one of the first female hosts of one. Yeah. What was it like to be in that, to enter into that space, knowing that men were kind of most prominent, yeah. and then you to see it change so much over the past few years? Well, for me, that 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 actually wasn't the biggest thing for me. For me, it was coming from. London mm. and 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 almost being like, well, will I be accepted? You know, obviously being British, mm-hmm. I'm not American. Will I be accepted? That was more at the forefront of my mind. But you know, like back in London too, and here, most entertainment shows are essentially hosted by a man, mm-hmm. um, or at most a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. But very rare for entertainment shows to be hosted purely by a woman. And I think. You know, it's to quote that saying, you know, uh, women can do everything that men can do and wear heels at the same time. You know what I mean? That was what Ginger Rogers always used to say. She was like, I do exactly the same thing as Fred, but Mm -hmm. I do it in heels and do it backwards. Mm. So on this show, you spend a lot of time with the contestants. Uh Do you ever get emotionally attached to them? And are y'all staying in touch afterwards? Yeah, of course. It's it's one of those weird shows. And I think think because we do take care of them, On the show, you know, we want them to have a great experience. We want it to be something that they tell their grandkids mm-hmm. about, and we want them to grow and and, and blossom. So, because we b- behave in a very respectful way to them, mm-hmm. and um, you you can't help but get attached to them. And so, there's always something where they go off and they have these other careers, and quite often they'll come back and they'll say, "What do you think of this?" Mm-hmm. or "What do you think of this contract?" or "Should we do this?" And then there's the personal side of it as well, where you know, we have contestants that get married mm-hmm. or that have babies. I was dancing at Courtney's wedding oh. the other day and then she's just had a baby and then Twitch and Alison got mm-hmm. together and then they've had a baby and now she's pregnant with another one. It's like, Ow. it's... A, it's a, and, a family. And it is a family. It's it's a strange, slightly dysfunctional, bit weird, mm. but, but <laughs> everybody's welcome and embraced, you know? And mm. that's... That's the idea of the mm, show. I love that. I love that. So on the show, you are constantly there, yeah. but you have lots of judges stop by. Gaga, yeah. Jason Derulo. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge names. Yeah. Who were you most starstruck by when they came on set? Ooh, listen, there's there's lots of people. I mean, Debbie Reynolds came on the show. You know, like, <laughs> yes. I mean, there's so many people. For me, there was one moment where Gaga came on the show and actually you talking about men and women mm-hmm. as well. We did uh, a dance with, I think it was Jasmine. 
no, Sasha and Melanie, mm -hmm. I think it was. And it was a real, like, warrior princess dance. And the girls were strong mm. and they were dynamic and they were powerful. All these amazing adjectives, you know, and they were so incredible. And Gaga had had to be carried to um, the judging platform oh. because she got on. Remember that? Do you remember those Alexander McQueen shoes? Yes, yes, the really big ones. Yeah, yeah, they were like they were. I think they were called the armadillo shoes. Yes, and they looked almost like giraffe feet, mm -hmm. almost a little bit. She got a pair of those on, and they, she had to be actually carried by security <gasps> to get to the stage. <laughs> That's and iconic. She, it's, isn't that amazing? Like, and she got this outfit on and everything. And then after the girls performed, she was just like. Oh my God, that was amazing. And back in England, back mm -hmm. in the day in the 1600s, when the Globe Theatre was mm -hmm. around in London, if the audience loved the play, they would take their shoes off and throw them at the stage. Oh. That was a sign of audience uh -huh. appreciation. So she took off her armadillo shoes and they came hurtling <laughs> towards my head. I kind of ducked one way and the girls ducked the other. Did it hit anybody? Didn't hit anybody. Oh. But the girls also kept them and she signed them for them. And I know Mel's is like on top of her mantelpiece. That's piece. incredible. It's just a great story. That's a piece of art. Yeah. That is like, that will stay with them forever yeah, and ever. Totally. And it was that exact moment where it was like, two women dancing together, yeah. being powerful and strong and yeah, it was I great. love that, I mm. love that. So speaking of powerful women, mm -hmm. Lorianne Gibson yeah. came by here the other day. She's cool, She taught she? me how to boom cack. Do you know the boom cack? <laughs> I don't know how she to boom cack. She said, boom cack. I'm doing her a disservice with that. I'm sorry, Lorianne. I, I don't think I have the boom It's like, it's it. just like a pop, pop. Like pop, at a, pop? Yeah. She you can't like, even tell. I could like, do it facing Oh backwards. yes, backwards. Yes, 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 yes. We said she was gonna twerk today, America. <laughs> Look what happened. <laughs> Then you won't invite me back again, will yes. you? Oh, People no, have just gone back. blind. You're coming back. It. But <laughs> I had a question about Lorian. Oh, yes. Yeah, go on. What is something surprising about her? Oh, my goodness. I think she's, she, again, she's, very, she's a very, very strong, opinionated mm -hmm. woman. And she's not shy in expressing those opinions. Mm. Um, but she does have a very soft side, too. And, soft it comes, and it comes from somewhere very real. Mm -hmm. It comes from the place of her being a dancer too and all her experiences and mm -hmm. it's tough being a dancer it's yeah. you know you're always you're always the the backup person mm -hmm. a lot of the time you know you're not you're not like a singer where it's you in the spotlight quite often you know you're underpaid you constantly have in injuries you're always the backup person you're mm -hmm. not necessarily the person who gets all the fame and the glory mm -hmm. and it's competitive and and it's hard to break through and um she brings all of that experience mm. to the show. You can feel that yeah. too. Even in her presence, she has this warmth and wisdom that yeah. just exudes from her. Yeah. So, and I love seeing you both together. Yeah. That's some powerfulness right there. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but let's... You'll, get, you'll figure this out. We'll teach you all, have you back to, to figure okay, that out. Bye. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Is that it? Yes, it's it. Oh, oh lordy, lordy, lordy. Well, that's it. You're going to co-host with us now. Okay, Sorry, fine. Alex, you've lost your job. Done and done. <laughs> well, here's a little reminder. So You Think You Can Dance airs on Mondays on Fox. But up next is more AM to DM. <laughs> I can't believe that's it. I 
like many of you spent this beautiful sunny weekend indoors watching the brand new season of Stranger Things, and I'm so excited to be joined by the badass Nancy Wheeler herself, Natalia Dyer. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank yeah, I you. love this skirt look that you are serving us on this couch. Oh, thank you. Yes. Very breezy. <laughs> well, I want to get right into uh, into this show this season, and I want to start with a, a meme that went viral when the season dropped. Jonathan trying to develop his pictures. Nancy. <laughs> Just blowing. Have you seen this? No. Oh, my you, God. <laughs> just Big Bird opening the door yes. and he's, like, trying yeah. to develop the photos. Precisely. That was, that was it. Those are some fun scenes to shoot. Yeah. Do you, do you um, have fun with all of the memes that come out every season? I, yeah, I do. I kind of <laughs> miss them. I don't, I don't always see them until things like this and people bring them to my attention. But, yeah, that's amazing. Do you ever have moments when you're on set and you're, like, somebody's totally going to take this line or take this and make it a meme? Yeah, there are, there are some moments. There are some lines that kind of set themselves up for it. Um, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But it's it's always interesting to see what people what like sticks out to people and what yeah. they think makes a good meme. The whole meme culture it's very creative. Um, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that's I, I I don't know. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, when we were putting this segment together, we were talking about, like, how do we make this segment spoil-free? What what are our guidelines about spoilers? So I want to ask you, what are your official spoiler guidelines, especially since you have to talk about this show all the time? I mean, it's a lot easier to say what I can say than what I can't. Um, you know, it's, like, there's things that come out, like, when, the, when, like, the trailers come out or, like, the teasers come out, and I can kind of talk about whatever is in there. Um, you know, kind of like the first episode I can talk about where they are at the beginning of the season. Um, but beyond that, I think they like to keep it really um, close to the chest. They don't want to say too much. And I think that's better. I think people don't really want, I mean, they want spoilers, but I think in the end, it's like just, it's better to you wait. Enjoy it's better the to like, show. You right, go on that ride. Go on that ride. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally revealed something? Um, ah, uh, I don't think so. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Truly, most of my like friends and family don't ask that much. I don't think they want to know. Um, yeah, I don't think, I mean, nothing like David Harbour or something. <laughs> He's, you got to watch out for that one sometimes. <laughs> Noted. Uh, yeah. Well, I should tell our viewers that um, I'm going to ask some questions that uh, may reveal something. So please turn off your sound or tune out now. Here's your chance. And um, in advance of this, I also tweeted out asking if anybody had questions for you. And so I want to read um, a question from Selena Renee who tweeted. Okay. How exciting was it for you to portray this young woman being mistreated in a work industry who doesn't take shit? And how did you use this opportunity to empower young women who may be watching and still going through situations like this even in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I, I was so excited. I remember, you know, we sit down and do these table reads and just flipping through it and seeing where Nancy got to go this season. It was so, you know, exciting, I think, for her character. Um, she's been put up against a lot and she's really starting to grow up and come into herself. Um, but, but yeah, overall, I think, you know, where we are in, in the world and culture and the conversations that are going on. It felt like such a great opportunity to explore that and reflect that on the screen. And, you know, I, for me, it's, it's, it's always playing just the character and, and her story and the things that she's up against. But, um, you know, I think there, there's, there is a lot of power of seeing that reflected back at you. And I, and I would hope that people can get some kind of, um, yeah, catharsis for that or just, you know, be able to relate to that. Um, because it's, you know, that's, it's such a thing about being a woman just in general, then and now. So yeah, it felt good. 
there were some scenes in there that felt good, and of course the actors were all really lovely in real life. <laughs> they were very good and very generous, really good at just playing nasty, nasty men. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was such a nice opportunity in a way to really um, grow Nancy's character in that in that direction. Yeah, well, I have to say, um, as a woman journalist, like, the grit and having to go through that really resonated with me. Also, as an LGBTQ woman myself, there were moments of this season that really deeply resonated yeah. with me. Um, there is an out LGBTQ character, Robin. Um, what was your reaction to finding out uh, about that storyline? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I think the brothers, the Duffer brothers who write and direct the show are really, they really care about their characters a lot. They really, I mean, men and women both, they give them kind of full, full stories, full characters, full things to work with. Um, and, you know, I, I do think this season they really gave the women um, good, strong roles. Um, and, you know, all the things that they're dealing with um, like Robin's character, played by the amazing Maya Hawk. She's so, so good in it. Um, you know, it's not, they don't make a huge point of it. It's like, this is, you know, we're like doing this issue. It, you know, they just, it's part of that character. It's part of their story and it's just there. And then, you know, I think they, they handle it really well. And I think the actors are, you know, do such a good job with it. Um, but yeah, it feels like a really good, um, season for saying things and for giving women strong roles and I'm really I'm really happy about that I was yeah I was so happy to see that in the script well speaking of uh, saying things um, something that jumped out to me is it felt like there were more political allegories this season for instance there is a corrupt over-the-top politician with connections to the Russians who throws a big July 4th celebration um, were there any conversations on set about that at all um, you know, I don't think there was anything we really had to say. Again, we're just playing characters. <laughs> yeah. We're just in that world, in these people's bodies, saying, you know, these lines and, and getting into it. I think, you know, there are things that might resonate um, in the show and, and the real world. And I think that's what makes the show so good in general is just that relatability to it. But, yeah, I, you know, this every season gets bigger and, and broader. And, you know, there's there's bigger things encompassed into the storyline and, um, yeah, this this season definitely did that, and I have no idea where it's going next, but I have a feeling it'll it'll continue on that path. Yeah, I mean, speaking of the show getting bigger, it seems like the fan base also feels really deeply connected with a lot of the actors and is um, mm. really really devoted. Um, and I know that the cast has just become so famous since the show began. I think Millie Bobby Brown had to even delete her Instagram because mm. um, because of all the attention. How have you navigated the scrutiny? Yeah, it's. Um... <laughs> It's a, it's a funny thing. I'm kind of private as a person, introverted, so it has been hard because it, once it is so much love and, you know, people coming up to you and saying the nicest things and saying how, you know, your character or the show resonates with them, and that's always a beautiful, wonderful thing. And as an actor, that's what you want to do. You want to connect with people. Um, but there is the whole other, you know, the, the, the fame aspect is... I don't know if I'll ever really get uh, used to it. I'm still navigating it and processing, and you know, you have to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, what your boundaries are. Social media is really tricky because it gets, I mean, I think social media in general can be kind of hard to navigate anyway, just mentally. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I dabble in and out of it. Um, is there anyone that you like go to for help when you're trying to figure out? Establishing those boundaries and, and um, privacy. You know, I think I think it's the only people who can really understand in some way that that are that I'm close to are the people in the show, the cast. You know, of course, we all 
were kind of anonymous when the show came out, and then it came out, and then it was big. So we went through this kind of journey together of, of um, navigating that world. So if I have, you know, I, I, I'll talk to them about it, but sometimes just listen to your gut and know what makes you feel good and what doesn't, because some people, for some people, they do it so well and gracefully, and they incorporate it in their lives so easily. And for others, you know, it's a little bit um, heavier and harder to deal with. So it's just, I think a lot of, you just kind of have to figure out what feels good for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, you know, you've also, you have spoken in interviews about your relationship with Charlie Heaton. Do you get tired of people asking you about that or becoming like the subject of tabloid photos over those things? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. I, you know, I think any, like I'm very, again, like private, I like my friends, my family, my relationships that are personal, I really... You know, it's, it's, it is, it's personal, and then you have this this life. So I think it's really easy for people to kind of, you know, mesh the two a bit. But I, I, I like to keep that distinction of being like, I, you know, this is this is my job, this is what I do in, in this world, but then I like to have this for me. Like, this is, yeah. this is for me, and they don't necessarily have to intersect so much. So I, I understand the curiosity, especially in this day and age, but... For me, yeah, I like to do, I like to do things a little bit more. Yeah, of course. Separate. Well, okay, back to the job. Before you go, I do have to ask you one more question. Yes. Um, I really lost my mind when I saw Carrie Elwes uh, in this uh, season because it's like just so you know having someone who's in Dream. such an iconic movie and, and then, then again the nicest, play in an eighties movie. Guy in the world. Exactly, and there are so many eighties Easter eggs in all of the seasons. Um, but it's also funny to me that so much of the cast like wasn't actually alive to to watch those movies. And um, do people? How do they? research like are y'all researching these movies is there someone on set kind of explaining here's what this amazing iconic 80s reference is yes I mean the brothers are pretty upfront about like what they're referencing they're such nerds for the 80s they love the <laughs> 80s and truly everyone on that set is you know everyone doing costumes and art and set decoration like all of it is it's just people who really care so much about the authenticity of the show so yeah you're I mean we're all constantly surrounded by people who really care and I think yeah, I've gained such an appreciation for the music and, and the film of that time period. I think there's something so, um, you know, magical and inviting about that whole decade. So, yeah, I think we all really have just been brought in. I mean, it's such a great time to explore and to live in, especially in contrast with today's information technology-driven era. So, yeah, it's been, you know, little bits of research and just immersion um, but I think we're all really fond of the 80s now. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, to no, join thank me you today. so much. It was really nice. And season three of Stranger Things is on Netflix now. Up next, we're talking about what Mercury being in retrograde means. <gasps> yes, a little astrology oh, situation. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Mercury went into retrograde yesterday, and the timeline is shook. Lauren tweeted, Mercury's in retrograde, which means it's time to fuck my life up and blame it on some space rocks. <laughs> and Susie Screw, you tweeted, so we must deal with Mercury in retrograde and cancer season at the same time? Can we please arrange for a group hug? <laughs> These are great. <laughs> Joining us now to tell us what the season of Mercury in retrograde means is Nina Khan, a lifestyle writer at Bustle. Hello, Nina. Hi, how's it going? It's great. Thank you for joining me to walk me through my hell week of Mercury in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my pleasure. And it's actually going to be a few weeks. I'm sorry to break it to you. Wow. We're in Mercury retrograde through the end of the month. So we've got pretty much the rest of the month of July oh. to ride this roller coaster. 
Oh my God, a whole month. So what does this mean? Break it down. What causes Mercury retrograde? And tell me this is going to be the longest one of my lifetime, please God. (laughs) It may not be the longest one and hopefully it's going to run smoothly. Okay. So um, when we say a planet is retrograde, that just means that the planet appears to be moving backward in the sky for a temporary period of time. Um, and just to note the planet's not actually moving backwards. Um, it's just not how orbits work, but from our vantage point here on earth, it appears to be moving backward. Um, and astrologically speaking, uh, during a retrograde, um, we're going to feel the effects of that backward moving planet in the areas of our lives that are ruled by that planet. So in Mercury's case, it rules over things like communication and that's verbal communication and digital. So text messages, Uh, social media, email, all of that. Um, It also affects things like timing and scheduling and getting from place to place. Um, And another major one that it affects is technology. So lots of fun. We're going to see some kind of like mix-ups in these areas. um, And, you know, we're going to want to take some precautions for sure when it comes to communication and all of these things. So everything that's important to me, communication, technology, and... Essentially. Wonderful. (laughs) So we have a tweet here from King Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey writes, seems like Mercury is in retrograde every other week. Oh my fucking God, stop. You're traumatizing me. But (laughs) seriously, how often does this happen? Because I feel like we were just in Mercury in retrograde. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were. So Mercury retrogrades happen between three to four times a year, which is actually a lot more frequent than most planets. Um, A lot of planets retrograde maybe once a year or less. So that's part of the reason that Mercury retrograde has such a reputation and is so notorious is because it really happens frequently. So every few months, like clockwork, this comes up again. So, you know, we feel like we just got out of one and then all of a sudden, boom, it's back. Mm. So, yeah, that's why some people who don't even, you know, follow astrology very closely already know that they can blame things on Mercury retrograde because they happen pretty frequently. Yes, we do blame Mercury a lot. Uh, But this time you wrote about four signs that will be affected the most, which are Gemini, Cancer, Leo and Virgo. So let's talk about each one and why should they be extra attentive and what's to come? So we're going to start off with Gemini if you want to. Yes, right there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so um, so every sign is going to feel the effects of Mercury retrograde in some way. But yeah, like you said, there are a few signs that are going to be feeling this a little bit more intensely. Um, so in the case of Gemini and Virgo, every sign in astrology is ruled by a specific planet. And Mercury actually rules over Gemini and Virgo. So because they have so much Mercury influence already, they're really going to feel it extra when the planet is retrograde. Um, So for Gemini, they're very communication-oriented. So when the retrograde sends our communication haywire they're really going to feel extra frustrated. Um, Mm. Same with Virgo. Virgo's very schedule-oriented. They like things to be planned out and mapped out very thoroughly. So again, Mercury retrograde comes in and dumps all of their meticulously planned schedules off to the side. Um, It's just extra frustrating because, you know, these are the ways that they relate to the world, even maybe more so than other people. Gotcha. And what about cancer? Because it is cancer season now, which, you know, brace ourselves. It's cancer season and Mercury (laughs) retrograde. Oh, no, for sure. Like it's, it's a scary time astrologically. (laughs) So, um, so for cancer, the reason that both of the cancer and Leo are going to be feeling this is because this summer Mercury happens to be retrograding through those signs. So Mercury was moving along. It went through cancer already, already passed through, ended up in Leo. So right now Mercury is in Leo. 
if this makes sense. And um, now it's moving backwards all of a sudden. So it's reviewing its path right back on through Leo and heading back into Cancer again. So essentially, Cancer is getting kind of a double dose of Mercury this year, um, and so is Leo. So both of these signs are really feeling that Mercury energy extra. Essentially, this planet is hanging out in their territory way more than usual, and it's retrograde. So yeah, Cancers might be feeling Ooh. even extra sensitive and taking things a little extra personally, um, hey. which is a bummer during their birthday season, right? Yes. But you know, yes, and it's how it and it's a few of my bosses' birthdays uh, season and they're cancer, so I know now to walk on, you know, eggshells a bit after this. <laughs> it's really good advice. Just be aware that people might be taking things a little extra personally. Things might not come out right, so it's really good to, you know, think before we speak, try to be very thorough and clear in the way we communicate because... You know, people, especially cancers, might be feeling a little extra sensitive. Yes, extra sensitive. Well, Mars is in retrograde, and we're also expecting two eclipses. So will this make things even worse for all of us? Um, so, yeah. So, actually, I think Mars is not retrograde, but you're right that there are a bunch of other planets retrograde okay. at the moment. So I think there's going to be a grand total of five retrograde planets this wow. summer, which is intense. Um, and yeah, we're right smack in the middle of eclipse season. So we just had the total solar eclipse last week with the new moon and we've got a lunar eclipse next week on the full moon. So it is pretty wild that Mercury retrograde started right in the middle of these transits. Um, I would say the best thing to do is just try to sit back and, you know, take things as they come. It's definitely not going to be the best time to try to start brand new projects and, charge forward with new things. Eclipses can be really chaotic and they can bring a lot of truths to the surface. So it's kind of a good time to just like let the stars take the wheel and, you know, take in the lessons that the universe is throwing your way. Don't try to like do anything crazy or start some brand new huge thing because um, the energy is pretty wild with all the retrogrades and the eclipses. We might just want to kind of submit to mm. the ride just Sub for this period here. It's an intense summer for sure. Uh, submit to the ride, submit. I'm going to remember that after today. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sina. It was a pleasure getting the breakdown on astrology. Thank you so much. Good luck with the retrograde. Thank you, girl. Thank you. I need it. <laughs> so up next, I, Alex and I will read more of your tweets. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back, y'all. So we asked, how would you like to see the United States women's national soccer team be honored for their win? Kenny Stewart says, with Eagle Bay, duh. Duh. I'm going to raise that and keep saying, with more pay. More they pay. deserve more money. More pay. They should yeah. get bonuses for winning. All the time. And back pay for being underpaid for too long. And back pay. Yes, just give them checks for millions of dollars. Actually, Thank just you. do that. I cosign mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Kirsten Betsy's tweeted this after our conversation about Disney's new live-action movie, The Little Mermaid. I don't want them to put a wig on Hallie. I just want her locks to just be red. I agree with that completely. When I saw a picture of her with her locks, I was like, this is done. We're great. Great. Finished. Done. No wigs. Settled. No nothing. We don't Ready. need flowy hair. We need that. There you go. <laughs> so we wanted to know, <laughs> what should Disney's next live action remake be? And Princess Leia is not here for the remakes. remakes. She says, no more remakes or retellings. Please, Jesus, please let it go. Please, original content only. Please, I'm pleading. And we are pleading with you, Princess. Please, Jesus, no Bambi. No. <laughs> <laughs> one, one live action Bambi. A Hell short, no. A short film. A short. <laughs> well, thank you to our guests, Harry Siegel, Nina Khan, Kat Dealey, and Natalia Dyer. We will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. So have a great rest of your day, Twitter. Woo.